You are listening to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. I'm Olive Soap, your beauty hope and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous dream girl hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. <laughs> Our Miss Brooks teaches English at Madison High, and though she's fond of her work and her pupils, these last few days have been rather hectic. In fact, she's even had to neglect her favorite faculty member, biology teacher Philip Boynton. And when I have to neglect Mr. Boynton, you can be sure things are hectic. Of course, like most scientific men, he's rather preoccupied. But he doesn't spend all his time looking at frogs and white mice in his laboratory. No, indeed. Every Friday, he goes to the zoo and looks at frogs and white mice. <laughs> but in spite of his apparent absorption in scientific matters, I can't help feeling that deep down underneath, there's a definite lack of interest in me. <laughs> keep trying. Now, take this past week, for example. I had to get the midterm examinations ready, but I wanted desperately to get my work done by Thursday afternoon so I could keep a date we had for that evening. But maybe I'd better start at the beginning. Thursday morning, my landlady, Mrs. Davis, woke me promptly at 7.30. Oh, Connie, it's 7.30. You've got to get up. Come on in, Mrs. Davis. <sighs> Time to rise and shine, my dear. Oh, I may rise, but you'll have to get your own shine. <laughs> I'm glad you got me up on time, though. Maybe I can make up a few questions before my first class. I don't think you should do anything before you finish your work at school. You've been going at this midterm examination too hard, Connie. I don't like to scare you, but I'm worried about your health. Oh, it's sweet of you to take such an interest in me, Mrs. Davis, but work doesn't bother me. I'm healthy as a horse. Well, just the same. Overwork isn't good for anyone, even a horse. You wouldn't want to get... You wouldn't want to get gray around the mane, would you? Oh. <laughs> Heaven for Finn. But I figured I'll be all right if I keep my Fetlock shampooed regularly. <laughs> uh, luster cream shampooed, that is. You've got to build yourself up, Connie. Here, I've brought you some juice to drink before breakfast. Taste it and tell me what you think it's made of. I should know better, but here goes. <coughs> oh, Oh, that's stronger than usual. What's in it, Connie? Well, I would say you took a raw potato, one hard-boiled egg, some rye crisp, a cup of kidney beans, and some spinach, and threw them into the mixmaster. <laughs> You're slipping, dear. You forgot the hominy grits. <laughs> well, I think I'll skip the juice this morning, Mrs. Davis. I've got to hurry. Walter Denton's picking me up in his car. Oh, is yours in the shop again? Oh, definitely. But the repair job this time won't cost me as much as the fine I had to pay. Twenty dollars for parking. Twenty dollars? Where in the world did you park? The lobby of the Stevens Hotel. <laughs> but how did you ever get in there? Just like anybody else, through the revolving door. <laughs> Glad you picked me up early, Walter. I've got some work to get done before my first class. Oh, that's all right, Miss Brooks. Glad to be of service. But did you say you've got work to do before your first class? Yes, Walter. I'm preparing questions for your midterm exams. It's rather difficult getting the right ones. Well, if I may make a suggestion, why don't you forget about the difficult questions and think up the simple ones? <laughs> that would make it easier on you, wouldn't it? Yes, but frankly, I question your motives. I wasn't thinking of myself, Miss Brooks. 
It's just that I've been looking at you while I'm driving here out of the corner of my eye, sort of, and, well, you... Walter, look out for that truck! Oh! Sorry. Guess I looked out of the wrong corner. (laughs) Anyway, I've noticed that you've changed a little. Changed, Walter? Yeah. I remember when you first got to Madison High, Miss Brooks. You were so vibrant. You were actually pulsating with life and energy and... Well, gosh, you always seem to be sort of shimmering. And that's not all. I come in six delicious flavors. (laughs) I'm not kidding, Miss Brooks. You've got to watch your step. How long do you think the bloom of youth will cling to your cheeks? It's all according to how you put it on, Walter. (laughs) I hope you don't think I'm being too personal, Miss Brooks, but as I look at you, I can't help thinking of something. What's that? Did you ever drive out in the country and come to an old, deserted pasture? Well... And did you ever see at the end of the pasture one lonely old horse with sad brown eyes (laughs) staring over the fence rail? I knew I should have shampooed those fetlocks. (laughs) I'm not comparing you to a horse, Miss Brooks. I know, Walter. I'm not fast enough. hmm? (laughs) No, it's just the look the horse gets in his eye when he's all worn out. As if to say, I've done my work, and now I'm old. Just an old, tired, beat-up, lonely horse with nothing to show for my years of faithful service. It's his own fault. When he was young, he probably made a man's neck out of himself. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate your interest in me, Walter, but believe me, I'm not ready for the glue factory yet. I hope you're not offended, Miss Brooks. Oh, of course I'm not, Walter. You know how I feel about you. Gosh, I think you're a thoroughbred. (laughs) I mean, I just don't want you to get run down. (laughs) I won't, Walter. I'm used to hard work. I've been working since I was a young girl. Really? I didn't think they let girls work way back in those days. (laughs) That is, what kind of work did you do then? I helped my mother, mostly. They had mothers in those days, too. Well, what did you do for your mother? While father was out hunting dinner, I used to help clean up our cave. You sound a little sore, Miss Brooks. Oh, don't be silly, Walter. Why should I be sore? Well, the way I word things sometimes, it's a little unfortunate. Like the stuff about the horse and all. I know you meant it for my own good. Forget it, Walter. I have. Well, here we are. I'll find a place to park, Miss Brooks. You go ahead. Thanks, Walter. Oh, before you go... Yes, Miss Brooks? Got a piece of sugar? (laughs) Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith with an important announcement. Palm Olive Soap is giving away prizes worth $67,000, a grand prize of $25,000 in one lump sum or $100 a month for life. And that's not all. There are over 2,000 prizes in Palm Olive's big treasure chest contest. Ford sedans, Westinghouse laundromat, from Silver Fox scarves, Toastmaster toasters, and it's easy to enter. Complete the last line of this jingle. A fresher, brighter-looking skin is something I would like to win. I'll get Palm Olive soap today. Da-da, 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 da-da. Write your last line on a plain sheet of paper or use an official entry blank giving complete rules obtainable at your dealers. Include your own and dealer's name and address and mail with the big word palm olive from the front of the wrapper of one regular and one bath size cake of palm olive soap to Palm Olive, Box 92, New York 8, New York. 
Now, here's the jingle once more. A fresher, brighter-looking skin is something I would like to win. I'll get Palmolive soap today. Da-da, 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 da-da. Mail your entry to Palmolive, Box 92, New York 8, New York. But hurry, contest closes November 20th. Enter this week. Get Palmolive soap for a lovelier complexion. Remember, doctors prove Palmolive's beauty results. Daddy, you're the principal of this school, and you've got to do something about it. About what, Harriet? About what I've been talking about. Miss Brooks overworking. I was talking to Walter Denton, and he told me that Mrs. Davis told him that Miss Brooks is just killing herself. But, Harriet, Now, I... one way to scare a woman into doing something, or not doing something for that matter, is to make her think she's losing her looks. And another way is to get her interested in doing something other than the thing you want her to stop doing. It's as simple as that. Well, that isn't simple enough. What are you talking about, Harriet? Look, We've got to try and get Miss Brooks interested in something outside of schoolwork. Now, I'll talk to Mr. Boynton first. Then as soon as I find Miss Brooks, I'll send her in here to talk to you. Agree? Absolutely not. Good. I knew you'd see it my way. <laughs> That's the end of the period, boys and girls. Class dismissed. Miss Brooks, could I talk to you for a minute? Certainly, Harriet. Come on up to my desk. Miss Brooks, as one woman to another, I'd like the privilege of being frank with you. Go ahead, Harriet. Well, you're working too hard, Miss Brooks, and it's beginning to show. Where? Oh. <laughs> I don't mean you're falling apart physically or anything. It's just your attitude. Since these midterm exams have to be written, you're almost constantly preoccupied. You don't seem to have your old sparkle and crackle. Oh, great. Now I'm a bowl of cereal. <laughs> I know conditions in school are pretty awful nowadays, and, well, you've got a big load to pull. Here we go again. Giddy <laughs> apt, Miss Brooks. There's a look you get sometimes, like a... Oh, don't say it, Harriet. Oh, I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world, Miss Brooks. There's nothing really radically wrong with you. It's just that you're taking this exam too seriously. Why, I noticed you yesterday in the cafeteria with Mr. Boynton. You just seemed to nibble at your food. Oh, that's just to make Mr. Boynton feel at home. He's very fond of rabbits, you know. <laughs> you should forget about work when you're at lunch. Today, I want you to relax. Sit down at that table and really tie the feed bag on. <laughs> I'll cut those fetlocks off. That's what I'll do. Oh, by the way, Miss Brooks... Daddy would like to see you in his office. Mr. Conklin? What does he want to see me about, Harriet? Oh, I'm sure I don't know. Maybe as principal of this school, he feels it's his duty to keep his teachers happy. Of course, you've got to know how to handle Daddy. What do you mean, Harriet? Just take the bit in your teeth and don't let him drive you too hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. Have a chair. Thank you, Mr. Conklin. I was just finishing this report from the school board. Will you excuse me for a moment? Certainly, sir. Oh, she is so. No, excuse me, Miss Brooks. Hello? Hello. Is that you, Osgood? Oh, yes, my dear. I'm glad you got my message to call me back. 
I just wanted to remind you that this afternoon we're going, uh, you know where, for tea. Oh, you mean to Mrs. Davis's? I haven't seen Margaret in ever so long. Miss Brooks will be there, too, won't she? Yes, Martha, that's the purpose of the little gathering, to help that party get her mind off. Well, that is, uh, she's been working quite hard lately, and she looks like... That is her face. Uh, Confound it, Martha, I can't talk now. Oh, sure you can, Mr. Conklin. Just make believe I'm deaf, too. (laughs) I'll call you later, Martha. Goodbye. Goodbye, Osgood. Oh, uh, just one thing. Yes? If you see Miss Brooks, don't say anything about our dropping in today. That's surprise her. Yes, Martha. Goodbye. (laughs) That was my wife. She sends her regards, Miss Brooks. Oh, thank you, Mr. Conklin. No doubt you're wondering why I sent for you. Well, I'll be brief. During the war, my outfit had the most consistently high morale of any unit in Camp Bobrick, Ohio. Now, what has all this to do with you, you ask? A reasonable question. What has all this to do with you? I really don't know, Mr. Conklin. Of course you don't. Now, take the time we ran out of ping-pong balls. It was nobody's fault. (laughs) As supply officer in charge of the post exchange, I had discharged my duties faithfully. But still, there it was. No ping-pong balls. (laughs) There were murmurings from the men. Muttering and discontent swept through the recreation hall. But I refused to be thrown into a panic. You know what I did, Miss Brooks? I made those men use their heads. Weren't they a little big for (laughs) ping-pong? I mean, uh, how, Mr. Conklin? By finding another hobby. And that's what I called you here to tell you, Miss Brooks. You've got to find a hobby. Oh, but I have a hobby, Mr. Conklin. Oh, what is it? Collecting a biology teacher. Uh, <laughs> that is, Mr. Boynton and I go to the zoo every Friday. I'm afraid that isn't enough of a change for you, Miss Brooks. No, what you've got to do is learn how to relax. Have a good time. Oh, but Mr. Conklin... Don't I... interrupt. You've got to concentrate on some outside interest, Miss Brooks. Fun. That's what you've got to have. Fun and gaiety. You've just got to enjoy life more. Be merry. Laugh. Laugh! (laughs) I don't know just what sort of form your hobby should take, but you've got to get one. You've got to, Miss Brooks. Oh, please, Mr. Conklin, remember your blood pressure. Uh, I'll get one. I'll have a ginger peachy time. I'll go to Arthur Murray's. I'll do something. You wait and see. Good. Good. That's all I want, Miss Brooks, for my teachers to be happy. Contented and happy. Not nervous. I don't want a school full of nervous wrecks. You hear me? No nerve. No long face. We understand each other. Do we? Do we? Before I go, Mr. Conklin, uh, may I make a suggestion? What is it? Did you ever think of getting a hobby? <laughs> cafeteria is pretty crowded today, Miss Brooks. I don't know how you managed to get this table. Oh, it wasn't hard, Mr. Boynton. I just told the two students who were sitting here I'd flunk them if they didn't leave. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't do that, Miss Brooks. No, not actually. I'll get our lunch, Miss Brooks. Just tell me what you want. Oh, I'll go along. It's fun to shove the little tray along the little railing. Gives me a feeling of power. <laughs> no, no, I'd rather you sit here and take it easy. I've noticed how hard you've been working, Miss Brooks, and now that I see you... I... Well, there's, there's something in your eyes lately that... Well, I can't be specific, but they just seem to say... All these years of faithful service, and what have I got to show for it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I, I know you've got to get your exam questions set, but the race isn't always to the swift. 
You've been whipping yourself terribly. Oh, fine. Now I'm my own jockey. <laughs> now, I just want you to know, Miss Brooks, that if, if there's anything troubling you, anything at all, I'd be happy to have you cry on my shoulder. I'd rather laugh up your sleeve. I mean, <laughs> laugh on your shoulder. Oh, look, Mr. Boynton, it's nice of you to be so concerned, but there's nothing wrong with me. You're right. There, there isn't a thing wrong with you that a good hobby won't cure. Yes, I know. And I've thought of a wonderful hobby. Oh, what's that, Miss Brooks? It's called short ribs of beef and boiled potato. Would you get me some? <laughs> oh, certainly. You hold our places here and I'll be right back. Okay, Mr. Boynton. Well, let's see now. Where's that book of questions in English lit? Maybe I can get a little work done while I'm waiting. Hi, Miss Brooks. Eat lunch yet? No, Walter, but Mr. Boynton's getting me some. Oh, and then I won't sit down. Good. <laughs> Have you seen Harriet Conklin? No, not since this morning, Walter. Uh, she seems to have noticed my disintegration, too. Really? Mine has been the swiftest decline since the fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> Tell me something, Miss Brooks. Did you ever collect stamps? No, I never did. Then you're in for a treat. See you later with my album. We'll put in a few hundred new specimens I just got. A few hundred? Oh, look, Walter, I'm allergic to mucilage. You better stop at the delicatessen and pick up a spare tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so long, Miss Brooks. I'll see you after school. So long, Walter. Oh, what's the use? I'll just have to lock myself in a room if I want to work. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. Have a nice chat with Daddy? Yes, Harriet. A nice apoplectic tete-a-tete. -tete. Your father told me to get a hobby. Have you hit on one yet? No, not yet. Oh, I'm glad. I've got one you'll just go mad for. Patternless crossword puzzles. I'll bring a big, super special one over this afternoon. See you then, Miss Brooks. Goodbye, Harriet. And goodbye to my date with Mr. Boynton tonight. Oh, did someone mention my name? Oh, hello, Mr. Boynton. Say, those short ribs look good. Yes, they do. I hope you like to eat them the way I do. Plenty of horseradish. Don't mention it. <laughs> well, let's begin. Here's your dish, and here's your knife and fork. Oh, thank you. That was good. What's for dessert? Yes, folks, you didn't bolt your lunch down already. I'm afraid I did, Mr. Boynton. I've got to get some work done before my afternoon classes. Well, this is terrible, Miss Brooks. You're, you're all keyed up. Look, do you play chess? Not if I can help it, Mr. Boynton. Well, I'm not very good at it, but it's wonderful relaxation. I'd be happy to teach you if you... Yes, well, some other time, Mr. Boynton. Now, if you'll just hand me my check. Oh, oh that's all right, Miss Brooks. I'll pay your, pay your check for you. Oh, thanks, Mr. Boynton. Uh, you can give me the money later on. <laughs> I didn't get much of my test prepared at school, Mrs. Davis, so I've got to get to work right That can wait. I've got the yarn right here and two sets of extra-large needles. Just look at them. My seconds will call on you at dawn. <laughs> what in the world are those foils for, Mrs. Davis? I'm going to teach you to knit. With this equipment, it won't be any time at all before you have yourself a nice afghan. I don't want myself a nice afghan. Give me an American boy every time. <laughs> Knitting is just wonderful for the nerves, Connie. Just sit right here and help me roll this skein into a ball. Oh, but Mrs. Davis, I... I do it for you, Connie. Oh, all right. What do I do first? Just hold your hands about six inches apart. That's the girl. Now I'll start winding. Around and 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 around
Nothing. I just wanted to break the monotony. <laughs> now, tell the truth, Connie. Isn't this fun? Oh, yes, indeed. This is more fun than drawing your fingernail over a slate. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got a ball, I'll show you how to cast on. Yeah. Okay. What did you say, dear? Oh, it's the cat. Go away, Minerva. We're busy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe she wants some milk. No, she just had her lunch. I made it for her myself. Maybe she wants some bicarbonate. <laughs> now, the first thing we do is catch the yarn onto one needle. So, like this, mm -hmm. and like this. Meow. Mm -hmm. Oh, now don't unwind the yarn, Minerva. Be a good girl now. Yes, Minerva, be a good girl, and I'll boost you up to the goldfish bowl later on. <laughs> Look, Mrs. Davis, if it's all the same to you, let's let Minerva knit for a while, and I'll play with the ball. Uh -huh. You'll catch on to it in no time, Connie. Oh, I really must get some work done. If you'll excuse me, I'd like to go into the dining room. I can spread my reference books out on the table there. Hmm? Very well, Connie. We'll do some more knitting, but the dining room? Oh, I knew there was something I forgot. You better get in there right away, Connie. You've got company. That's what I like, prompt messages. Well, hello. Well, I guess I beat you home, Miss Brooks. I guess you did, Mr. Boynton. So did I, Miss Brooks. Harriet, did you two come over together? Yes, we did. Oh. I drove them. Oh, listen, Walter, too? <laughs> well, now that we're all here, suppose we all keep nice and quiet while I do some work. Hmm? Oh, you can work later, Miss Brooks. Here, I've got the board all set up. Let me show you how to play chess. Uh, go ahead, Miss Brooks. I'll start sorting my stamps and looking for prize specimens to show you. And I'll get a crossword puzzle started, so it won't be too difficult oh, for you. Oh, but listen, The first I... row here, the, these little ones here, are pawns. They move one or two spaces forward. I know the moves of the pieces, Mr. Boynton, but honestly, well, I let's just play have... one game, Miss Brooks. I'll go first. There. Now, don't rush yourself. Chess is a very patient, easy-going game. Have you got a clean handkerchief, Miss Brooks? I have to clean my magnifying glass. Here you are, Walter. Oh, Miss Brooks? Yes, Harriet? What's a six-letter word for horse? Have you tried B-R-O-O-K-S? <laughs> oh, I've got an E-Q-U-I-N-E. Look at this sesquicentennial Dutch Guiana, Miss Brooks. You can tell by the cancellation it's legitimate. Oh, look through the glass. Oh, very pretty, Walter. It's your move, Miss Brooks. What? Oh, the game. I'll just go here. Oh, here's a funny coincidence, Miss Brooks. I need a six-letter word for hobby. M-U-R-D-E-R. -E <laughs> Boy, look at this one. I'll bet there aren't three like it in the whole country. Is that good? I'll get it. Well, Martha Conklin and all good. Hello, Margaret. Where's the hobby room? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in the dining room here, Osgood. Come along, folks. Here we are. Miss Brooks, guess who's here? Dr. Gallup looking for a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Conklin. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. Well, let's not waste any time. We'll get right down to our hobbies. I brought over a bag of toys to be fixed for Christmas. I do this work every year. And I help Mrs. Conklin with my portable carpentry set. Uh, may I set my vice up over here? Oh, yes, Mr. Conklin, of course. I'll just dump these toys out on the table, if I may. There. There we are. That's not a legal move, Miss Brooks. Well, I was just... Oh, the chess game. I'm sorry, Mr. Boynton. I'll take it back. I'll move my knight instead. There. Ah, this will do you a world of good, Miss Brooks. Give her a broken toy to fix up, Martha. Think you'd like to stuff a few dolls, Miss Brooks? 
I just love to stuff a few dolls, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> Before you do that, Miss Brooks, take this glass and look at this early Cameroon. What's a four-letter word for purgatory? Harriet. Well, that's got... <laughs> that's got seven letters. Oh, you mean Harriet. The, the night can only go two squares vertical and one diagonal. Oh, look at this cute little mechanical man. He can walk and everything. I'll just wind him up. Yeah. Give me some of those pool toys to clean down, Martha. Here you are, dear. Are you having fun, Miss Bruce? Oh, loads, Mrs. Conklin, but would you call the little mechanical man back? He's biting my knitting needles. <laughs> His electric drills are beauty. Oh, I think it was a wonderful idea, Daddy, our having a hobby afternoon together. Oh, so do I, Osgood. It's so entertaining. Sure takes your mind off things. I'd better saw some of this down here. What do you mean, Mr. Boynton? The knight can only move two squares vertical. Oh, here's an awfully cute little wagon. It'll be as good as new when we fix the bell. There. Martha, could you show me that new drop stitch you mentioned last week on the phone? Oh, that wasn't a drop stitch, Margaret. Uh, that was a cable, I believe. These loose nails will never do. Never do. Motor seems to be broken on this. Uh, you can tell by the shape of the printing that this is a genuine letter word for Billy Go. This horn is fine now. Uh, a little more planing and drilling should do it. The last toy is fixed. Yes, and the dolls are all stuffed and painted. Uh, it's been a lovely afternoon, Mrs. Davis. Thank you, Osgood. It was nice to have you over. Well, the main thing, of course, is that we were able to interest Miss Brooks in something that could take... Uh, Miss Brooks? Miss Brooks? She isn't here. Well, that's funny. Where could she be? I'll answer it. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Davis. This is Miss Brooks. Connie! Where in the world are you? I've discovered a wonderful hobby, Mrs. Davis. What is it, Connie? Making up examination questions in the balcony of the bijou. Steve <laughs> Arden as our Miss Brooks returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster cream, not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanents. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a luster cream shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, I didn't get many questions done, but I did see Rita Hayworth in Loves of Carmen. I knew, of course, that with the examination question still to be done, I'd have to cancel my date with Mr. Boynton. But that was almost inevitable from the beginning. 
When I finally reached home, I knew I'd have to buckle down. So I headed right to the dining room, opened the door, and turned on the light. Of course, you can move the night too horizontal. Why, Mr. Boynton, if I'd known you were still here, I'd never have turned the lights on. <laughs> Next week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palmolive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair. Dentists know what cleans teeth best. And over 4,000 dentists say Colgate Tooth Powder with a two-minute routine gets teeth sparkling and super clean. So to remove dull film and get your teeth shining clean, just brush teeth two minutes morning and night with Colgate Tooth Powder. Brush inside, outside, and biting surfaces. Always brush away from the gums. See how quickly this gets teeth naturally bright. It removes dull film that improper brushing misses. And Colgate Tooth Powder also sweetens your breath. Try it. Buy Colgate Tooth Powder today. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North. Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. City and in the territory on west. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. dust. The heat was bad enough in Dodge City, but out on the plain, it was the dust. The sun was a burning red-brown chip in the sky, and the sweat on a man never had a chance to drop. It was blotted and dried with dust. Doc Chester and I had ridden to old man Gore's place ten miles out. He'd had some trouble with one of the hands. Fellow had gone loco with liquor and had been shooting up the cattle. We found him, stripped naked nearby on his haunches, crying, drunk over a parched water hole. Doc had got him to bed and fixed him up some. And now we were heading back for Dodge. Darn horse. Seems he's just bound to stomp all the dust and candles in my eyes. <coughs> Maybe the marshal will buy you a camel, Chester. 
This keeps up. We'll all buy camels. I remember the time back in Waco when I was just Dark. a small Chester. Boy. You see something ahead on the side of the trail there? Um, yeah, maybe. It looks like some poor calf strayed off and dropped. I don't think so. Uh, it looks like a man. Come on. Chester, get the water bag. Yes, sir. Let me have a look, Marshal. Yeah. Let's see. Heat. Is he all right? Well, depends on how long he's been lying here. Here you are, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Uh. Open up his shirt, Marshal. Chester, get some of that water on his wrist. All right. It looks like an Easterner, huh? Sure not dressed for this country. Oh, well, that's better. That's better. Try to get a few drops in him. All right. Uh, no, not too much, Chester. <coughs> not in his nose, Chester. His mouth. Well, my gracious, I'm sorry, Mr. Dillon, but he moved his head. It's not so easy to... Hey, look, he's awake. You're all right, mister. Just take it easy for a bit now. Oh, this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself. Into a Jew. What did he say? Oh, it's out of his head, Chester. For this relief, much thanks. Forget it. Chester, get around the other side and shade him from the sun. Yes, you. The sun. I begin to be a weary of the sun. I don't blame you. Uh, what happened? My wagon shed a wheel, I fear, along the high road. I know not where I am. Uh, you're about four miles out of Dodge City. Uh, Kansas. Kansas. Oh, I would give all my fame for a pot of ale and safety. We better get him to town quick. He's in a bad mood. Uh, you think you can make it on a horse? We'll take you into. We'll take him into Dodge. And he passed out again. We tied him across Doc's horse. Doc and I doubled up and Chester rode behind. The stranger was a tall, skinny man with a face like a friendly mule. Big hands and thin wrists stretched out from his sleeves. He had no papers on him, nothing. And until he woke up, we wouldn't even know his name. Doc settled him down in the back of his place, and he was still asleep when Chester and I rode out to where we figured he'd left his wagon. Wasn't hard to see when we found it. What color wagon would you call that, Mr. Dillon? Puce, Chester. Puce. I guess so. Seems to be some writing on the side there. Yeah. Oh, Irving Henry... Thespian supreme disciple of the immortal bard. Mm. I should have known he was a religious man. Uh, he's an actor, Chester, the immortal bard. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, wrote plays, poems. Ah, ah, hi. 
You think he let the horses go, Mr. Dillon? Well, I was wondering that. Seems to me he'd have ridden for help instead of trying to walk. Horses couldn't have got out of the harness themselves. Well, let's take a look at the wheel. I wish we could wait till the sun goes down. It's going to be awful hot work, Mr. Dillon. <coughs> it's not too bad. The pen fell out. Must be another in the box at the back. Take a look, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. I'll prop the wheel up here. Yeah. Mr. Dillon? Hey, yeah, can't you find it? Will you come here a minute? Uh, what's the matter? Take a look in there. It took a second or two to get used to the darkness inside the wagon. And then I saw the hand sticking out from behind the trunk. You didn't have to be the doc to know that it was a dead hand. The body was of a man about 40. He was dirty. And in a greasy, torn waistcoat, I found a pocketbook with his name. Sam Matchett. And that was all. Below his left shoulder and his back was a patch of dried blood. And in the middle... A bullet hole. We got the wagon wheel on, hitched up our horses, and drove into Dodge. Doc? Oh, that's you, Marshal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, be right out. All right. Get that fellow's wagon fixed up? Yeah, I brought it in. Is he awake? Oh, I haven't looked in the last half hour. I was making coffee. Want some? Uh, no, thanks. Oh, it's a funny thing about coffee when it's hot weather like this. Drink it's called in and makes you feel cooler outside. Uh, look, Doc, I gotta see that fellow. I want to ask him a couple of questions. Oh, that's so? I found a dead man in the back of his wagon. You don't say. You better take a look. Chester's bringing him in the side. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You want to go on back? Uh, yeah, thanks, Doc. <clears throat> Mr. Henry? Mr. Henry, wake up. Yeah, what? Oh. Your name, Irving Henry? Oh, Irving Henry. Uh, what is this place? Now, you got to listen to me for a minute. We found your wagon. Ah? Uh-huh. Did you let the horses go before you sat on your own? Of course. I could not let them remain to die. Well, how come you didn't take one to ride? I have a loathing of horses. I cannot bear one under my body. <laughs> There is a carafe of water beside the bed. Would you be good enough, uh, Mr. Uh, uh... Uh, Dillon, Matt Dillon. I'm the marshal here in Dodge City. Here you are. Oh, my thanks. Now, what were you doing with a dead man in your wagon, Mr. Henry? A dead man? A dead man shot in the back, lying in your wagon. This is very midsummer madness. I won't argue about that, but I'll thank you to answer my question. But it is impossible. It isn't true. I say it is. You lie in your throat if you say that I'm any other than an honest man. Look, mister, I didn't say you weren't honest. You're an actor. And you got a fine way of saying things, but murder's murder. I don't care how you say it. Now, I'm asking questions, and I want straight answers. Your pardon, sir. What you tell me... In truth, if it were played upon a stage, I would condemn it as an improbable fiction. I swear to you, I know nothing of a body. Did you come through Hayes City? 
Yeah. Do you know a man there called Sam Matchett? No. You had no trouble in Hayes City? No. What are you doing in these parts, Mr. Henry? Uh, I'm... I am touring the provinces. An actor eating the bitter bread of banishment. And my talents are not taken for their worth in the East. And therefore, I bring the immortal bard to the hinterlands. And now, sir, that the interview is ended, pray give me leave to depart. I'm sorry, I can't do that. You'll have to stay until we get this thing cleared up. Mr. Out. Dillon, Doc would like to see you. Ah, all right, Chester. Stay here with Mr. Henry, will you? Well, sure, Mr. Dillon, sure. If, how are you feeling by now, Mr. Henry? Would you like some more water? These evil manners live in glass. Doc. Right here, Marshal. What'd you find? Well... There's one thing. This man didn't die right away. I mean, not right when he was shot. Is that so? No. More likely bled to death. Inside. Uh-huh. Uh, you think he might have been able to climb up in the wagon after he was shot? Uh, he might. There's another thing. Yeah? You see the way he's dressed? Now, you take a look at the... Oh, 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 what's what's going on? On? Uh, Help! Come on. Come on, Doc. Come on. <laughs> Chester, what's the matter with him? Chester, my gun when I was pouring him some water, Mister Dillon. He must have gone through the window, Marshal. I, I tried to get it back. It went off. Take care of Chester, Doc. I'm going after him. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, do you know how old the school building in your community is? If it's over 25 years old, the chances are that it's woefully inadequate to the present demands on it. Certainly thousands of schools all over America are unable to meet the needs of a greatly increased enrollment. And all our school children will suffer unless all of us work actively to improve conditions. Join with the groups in your community working for better school conditions. Remember, better schools build a stronger America. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. I went out of there. I didn't know how badly Chester was hurt. There was a lot of blood on his head and over his face. It was nearly dark outside, and the street was empty. It was supper time. I could see the women through the windows getting food ready. The kids were inside, too. Sure looked peaceful. But with Henry out with a gun, well, that wasn't a good thing to have running around loose in Dodge. See a man run down the street, Miss Fletcher? Why, no. Well, you better get inside and lock your door. Don't come out again. There's a killer loose. 
I walked the length of the street, listening, waiting. And when I got to the end, there was nothing. He hadn't taken a horse, I'd have heard that. And in a way, I was sorry, because if he'd tried to hide and dodge, there'd be no way to get out of shooting that wouldn't get women and kids hurt. A breeze came up, and swirls of dust flew around, and then settled as the air became still and hot again. I went back to Doc's place. Oh, uh... Did you find him, Marshal? No. How's Chester? Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Dillon. Just creased my head. More mess than hurt. Oh, good, Chester. Uh, look, you want to go home or you want to work? I want work. All right. Go down to the office, get yourself another gun, and round up some men. Many as you can. As long as Henry stays in town, we're in trouble. Now keep your eyes open. Meet me back here. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Take my gun with you, and if you see him, watch out. All right, I'll get going. Yes, sir. Doc, I'm going to have to make you a deputy, too. Well, <laughs> well, maybe instead of digging out bullets, I'll be putting some in. It's not funny, Doc. Now, come on. All right, we'll start here. I'll take this side, you take the other. Get the men to go through their houses and tell them to look for their horses. Tell them what's happening. But ten o'clock that night, as far as we could tell, Henry hadn't left town. There were plenty of places for him to hide, though. We had 50 men out searching. Chester and I were working along back of the express office. There were a couple of houses there we hadn't covered. You wouldn't think a man like that would be a killer, now would you, Mr. Dillon? I never saw a man yet couldn't be, Chester. Depends on your reasons for killing, I guess. Now, let's take a look behind these boxes, huh? got this far? Yeah, he might. A lot of back streets to sneak around in the dark. That's Miss Cullen's place there, isn't it? Yes, sir. Looks like she's still awake. Light burning back there. Yeah. <clears throat> Seem a bit cooler to you tonight, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, a bit. Evening, Miss Cullen. I'm sorry to get you up, but we're looking for a man, a stranger around. He's tall, thin. You seen anyone about tonight? No. No, I haven't. Huh? Uh, how, how's the kids? Oh, they're fine. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. Fine. Uh-huh. Well, you keep the place locked tight, Miss Cullen. Don't let anybody in tonight unless you know who it is. All right. Good night, Mr. Dillon. Good night, ma'am. Well, now, that's strange. She didn't even say hello to me, and I know her better than you do, Mr. Dillon. Chester, round up the others. Get them over here. I don't know why she... He's in there with her. I think he's got the kids in the sleeping room. Oh. Sent her out to get rid of us. Now, I'm going to try and get in. Don't do anything when you come back. Just put the men around the house. Yes, sir. (laughs) 
I'd seen Miss Cullen make a move with her head. And her eyes said the rest. When I told her to lock up, I shook my head and I hoped she understood. I wanted that front door to stay open. He was in there, all right. I could hear him. I wanted him alive. But I wasn't going to risk hurt to Miss Cullen or the kids getting him. I did what you asked. Don't hurt the children, please. They will never know this night. And in the morning, when they will What's that? You said you locked the door after you. No, don't. Don't. I shall keep the pistol turned to the girl's head, madam. Someone is here. They try to take me. Who is it? Who? Mr. Dillon, go away. Please. He'll kill us. You lied. You lied. Oh, tiger's heart wrapped in a woman's hide. Listen to me, Marshal Dillon. Throw your pistol in here, and then come in with your hands before you. I have no stomach for child killing, but I will not hesitate to do so. Give me the gun, Henry. No. You won't be able to get out of this. I must. There is living to be done. You know, that fancy talk isn't going to help either. Now, why don't you climb down? What happened to Matchett? Nothing happened to Matchett. Why'd you kill him? I didn't. In five minutes or less, there'll be 50 men or more around here. Now, what are you going to do? I don't know. If you didn't kill Matchett, you'll get a chance. I'll see to that. There's no use going on this way. Give me the gun. I cannot. It is my prop of salvation. No gun is salvation to anybody. Put it down. You must tell the men to go away, Marshal Dillon. I'll have to take one of these children with me for my protection. No! Shed a tear for me, madam. I have the greater need. You do a lot of talking, mister. I'd like to see you turn the gun away from that kid's head. That'd take more than talk, wouldn't it, though? I have no skill with such a weapon. Why should I match with you? I want to live. You're going about it the wrong way. The smallest worm will turn being trod upon. Meaning... You gave me no choice when you brought me here. Would have been better to have left me lying in the dust. You don't understand. You don't know. Well, why don't you tell me? What good would it do? It depends. My life 
has been the theatre. As a boy, I, I was a student of Shakespeare. <laughs> you would look at me. <laughs> Who would accept this face for Hamlet? This ill-shaped body for Romeo. <laughs> His speech has become my speech, but well, the fools only look. They cannot listen for laughing. There have been ugly men before you, and hasn't been cause for murder. Why'd you kill Matchett? In New York, there was a man, a gross, stupid man, who fancied himself an interpreter of the bard. He, he took me, me, as his apprentice, and together we set out for the tour. I would play only the voices. Never Richard. Never Henry. Never Leah. Only, only the voices. Whilst he, stumbling, drunken, he muddled and tore to a tatter the, the words that I should have spoken. You killed a man because you wanted to play a hero? How easily murder is discovered. Yeah, sometimes, I guess. It was yesterday. We were leaving Hayes City. We'd played there for two days. And it made me a laughing stock. It was night. And he became drunk and, and threatened to leave me in the next town. I made him stop the wagon and taking up a pistol, I shot him. He did not die at first. And when I saw what I had done, I, I wanted him to live. And I put him into the wagon and I drove on, hoping to find a doctor. Then, as, as the night passed, I saw that he had died. And I was afraid. The wagon broke down? Yes. I, I put my purse into his clothes and took his name for mine. How I've hated the name of Sam Matchett. But you wouldn't understand. I wouldn't. Well, what now? I want to live. I want my chance. You've done a murder. I can't let you go, you know that. Don't make it harder. I lost my husband two years ago. I know what it is to be alone. You've been alone, haven't you? I'm sorry. But you killed someone. We may pity, though not pardon, dear. <laughs> I'm going now, Marshal. If you walk out of there with your gun, you're a dead man. Death's a great disguiser. 
I must have my chance. Don't do it, Matchett. There'll be killing. Madam, forgive me. I would not have harmed your children. Matchett, put down your gun. Let me go my way. Please. There are a lot of men waiting for you out there, Matchett. You know what'll happen if you open the door. Don't do it, Matchett. He knew he was going to die. The minute he opened that door, he knew it. And maybe he wanted to, because he fired first a single shot. We buried him in back of the church, and I found some words in a book to put on his grave. He that dies pays all debts. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Hans Conrad was featured as Henry, with Mary Lansing as Mrs. Cullen. Parley Bear as Chester, and Howard McNear as Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Roy Rowan speaking. Remember, gangbusters going to action Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network.
Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston present Space Patrol! High adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander-in-Chief of the Space Patrol! In today's transcribed adventure, Buzz and Happy are in their spacesuits investigating a gigantic six-wheeled atomic digging machine on the planet Mercury. As they walk across the deeply cracked ground in 300-degree heat, the huge machine starts moving toward them with increasing speed. They're trying to run us down with the machine, Commander. Get to the ship, Happy. It's hard to run in these bulky suits. Maybe we can dodge the driller. Don't try it. The driller's big, but it can turn like a cat. It's gaining on us. Don't look back. Run. Hey! Quick, Happy, on your feet. My foot caught the crevice. Give me your hand. No, you sir, I can't get loose. I'm caught. Commander, get away, please, while you can. The driller's almost on top of us. We'll be back in just a moment with today's Space Patrol story, The City of the Sun. Hey, gang, listen to this poor old rocket ship here at the Lunar Fleet Base. You know what the trouble is? That rocket's trying to run on ordinary fuel. Now, here's that same rocket ship loaded with super fuel. Now, that's what I call a real blast-off. And boys and girls, to get a bright and snappy start, you need super fuel, too, especially in the morning. So start your day with a breakfast that supercharges you, a nourishing breakfast with a checkerboard super cereal, like Rice Chex, triple crisp Rice Chex, triple crisp because it's toasted three times. And, oh, boy, is Rice Chex delicious. Makes breakfast sparkle. That's how good it is. Rice Chex. Golden shredded rice biscuits in that modern bite-sized design for easy eating. So remember, gang, to start off bright and snappy in the morning, eat a nourishing breakfast with a checkerboard super cereal and get supercharged. Today, try your spoon out on Rice Checks. Commander Corey and Cadet Happy are on the planet Mercury, organizing space patrol units into a search for Professor Mallison, whose spaceship vanished on the dark side of the planet. But now, a second emergency on another part of Mercury sends Buzz and Happy racing to the hot side of the tiny planet to Solaria, the city of the sun. Who's behind the sabotage, sir? I don't know, Happy. That's what we've got to find out. But I've got a pretty good idea what the motive is. What's that, sir? Solaria has suddenly become very important because of the mineral deposits that have been found about 60 miles south of the city. South? That means it's hotter than the Solaria area. Well, how do they work it? With robot-controlled mining equipment operated from Solaria. And with spacesuits, a few technicians can work in two-hour shifts on the mining site itself. Oh, and whoever sabotaged the power plant doesn't want those mining operations to continue. Well, probably cuts into their own source of revenue. Well, I suppose this is more important, but... I sure would have liked to locate Professor Mallison first. We've got the search units well organized, Happy. They'll comb the entire dark side of Mercury with infrared viewscope scanners. Well, do you think the professor could still be alive, sir? Mm, he's been missing over four days. That would be a long time to hold out in sub-zero temperature on the dark side of the planet. Well, how about the spacephone signal picked up yesterday, though? That, that was from Mallison, wasn't it? Mm, it was his code, all right. But it was an automatic signal. It could have been sent from one of the small rockets Mallison had aboard his ship. When released, it automatically sends back information on cosmic radiation, temperature, and Mercury's own magnetic field. Oh, that's what Mallison was studying? Yes. Even if we locate the rocket, it wouldn't mean it's anywhere near Mallison's ship. 
A commercial spaceship picked the signal up briefly just for a few seconds. All they got was Mallison's identification code and the temperature. 122 degrees below zero. Yeah, which could mean that Mallison released the rocket several days ago and it landed on the dark side of the planet. Right. Commander, what's that? It looks like steam shooting out of the ground down there. It's like a geyser. Geyser on the hot side of Mercury? Happy, check our exact position. I don't like the looks of this. Yes, sir. I'll call Solaria Space Control. Corey and Terra 5 to Space Control Solaria. Corey and Terra 5 to Space Control Solaria. Space Control Solaria to Commander Corey, Lieutenant Orris here. Lieutenant, I'm flying low northeast of Solaria. My cadet and I have sighted something that looks like steam shooting out of the ground. Steam, Commander? Yes, I'll give you our position. Check it against the location of water conduits leading to the city. Yes, sir. Happy, got the data? Yes, sir. We're 10 degrees, 27 minutes, 48 seconds south by 112 degrees, 51 minutes, 08 seconds east. Got that, Lieutenant? Yes, sir. I'll check it against the chart. Commander, do you suppose it is a broken conduit? I don't know what else it could be, Happy. Possibly a quake broke the pipe. Commander, it looks like a broken conduit, all right. Solaria's main water supply line runs right through that point from melting and pumping station number three on the cold side of Mercury. Better check with Solaria water control. See if they've noticed a drop in pressure. Yes, sir. Thanks for telling us. That's a bad break. We'll be in a tough spot here. Is there a seismograph in Solarium? I believe there is, sir. I suggest you check the city engineering office. Have them contact other cities on the planet and see if there's been a quake in this area. Yes, Commander. We'll circle this vicinity to see if any further trouble develops. Report back when you get the information. Corey out. Well, from the looks of that ground down there, sir, they must have a lot of quakes in this region. You mean those deep cracks? Well, those were formed millions of years ago, Happy, when Mercury first began to dry out under the terrific heat. Yeah, but with one side of the planet covered with ice and the other side with blistering heat, well, wouldn't there be a lot of quakes? Well, as far as I know, there hasn't been a serious one reported in recent years. We'll keep circling till we hear from Solaria. Can we take it easy, Burdock? This is pretty rough ground. Well, these atomic drillers weren't made for comfort, bro. And I want to get plenty of distance between us and that broken water conduit. We're going 70 with this thing. If we hit one of those cracks at the speed, we'll tip over. Just quit worrying. We're riding on six wheels, and each of them are 20 feet in diameter, and every wheel has its own power drive. I think we're in more danger of being spotted by a space patrol ship than we are of upsetting this monster. What do we do with the driller when we get to our spaceship? We just leave it. It's pretty well camouflaged to blend in with this cracked yellow ground here. We can find it again if we need it. You aren't planning to drill any more holes in the Solaria water supply, are you? No, not right away. But this job will cause plenty of trouble. You think they'll be able to repair it? Probably. But with things like this happening, trouble with power and water, the rival companies are going to think twice about using Solaria as a base of operations. Hey, Burdock, watch it! Nearly tipped the soap. Well, just relax, Joe. We're almost to the ship. Well, sir, it looks like the conduit broke in just that one place. That's lucky, but even at that, it'll take several hours to get many equipment out here to repair it. Space Control Solaria calling Commander Corey aboard Terra 5. Corey here. Go ahead, Lieutenant. A maintenance crew is getting ready to leave Solaria now, Commander. They know the location. Good. We'll head for Solaria. What about the seismograph reports? No quakes have been detected anywhere on Mercury, sir. The chief engineer doesn't understand how that conduit could have broken. How's your water supply? Pressure has dropped to less than a quarter of normal, sir. We're already on a strict water rationing. Nearly all industries have been ordered to shut down for 24 hours. Will it take that long to repair the damage? At least. Oh, uh, Commander, Colonel Henderson thought you might be interested in a report on Professor Mallison. Well, yes, I am. Have they found him? No, sir. But another automatic signal was picked up by a cargo ship, apparently from a grounded instrument rocket. It isn't much help. What do you mean? It's sending inaccurate information. The cargo ship pilot got a rough fix before the signal stopped. 
It's on the hot side of mercury, but the temperature data was 122 degrees below zero. Same as the other report. The sending mechanism must have been damaged when the rocket landed. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks, Lieutenant. I'll contact you when we reach Solaria. Corey, out. All right, Happy. Get on vector for Solaria. Yes, sir. Hey, wait a minute. Look down there on the ground. What is it, Commander? See those gouges? A sort of crisscross pattern. Yeah, two rows of them. They're tracks. What would make tracks that far apart? Some heavy earth-moving machinery, probably. Oh, from when the conduit was laid. Uh, I don't think so. Focus the viewscope toward the steam spout. Yeah, see? The tracks end right near the place where the brake is. Say, that's right. Follow those tracks in the other direction, Happy. Hey, they lead away from Solaria. Makes them interesting. Any surface equipment out here would be more likely to come from Solaria than anywhere else. We're going to find out where those tracks lead. Just a few minutes more, bro. Our ship's on the other side of the jagged butte. Oh, she'll be glad to get out of this villa. You're mighty peculiar, aren't you? You don't like spaceships either. Who says I don't? Well, didn't you get space sick the other day? Well, or was it because I shut down the lab ship? You shouldn't have done that, Burdock. He wasn't bothering us. He was on some scientific mission. Well, it's just too bad. He came snooping around just as we blasted off from our hideout. We didn't have a chance. Don't be so squeamish. By acting quickly, we probably kept the space patrol from spotting us near the power relay station. And what's the matter? Reduce It's a ship. Yeah. It's flying low, right toward us. Think they see us? I don't know. Why'd you stop the driller? Because if we're moving, they might spot us. But with the sides and top of the drill camouflage, they might not notice. Well, they went right over. It's a space patrol ship. They must have spotted the break in the water line. Yeah, but why were they going so slow? How do I know? We'll just sit tight and see what they're up to. Happy, look down there. The tracks stop. It's hard to tell. The ground must be packed almost as hard as concrete in some places. I'll circle back. Use the viewscope scanner. Yes, sir. Uh-oh. Hey, there is something down there. A hump of something. A small hill, maybe. Now, look closer. Did you ever see a hill on wheels? Yeah, I can see it now. It's a big piece of machinery, and it's camouflaged. Happy, get our spacesuits out of the locker. I'm setting the ship down. Yes, sir. Check the refrigeration units in the suits carefully. Gonna be walking around in oven temperature down there. They must have seen us. Why would they land their ship clear out here? Just take it easy, Rolf. We're safe in the driller. Nobody could get in unless we opened the door. Somebody's getting out of the ship. Two men. Yeah. Hey, that's Terra Five. Come into Corey's ship. If we don't open up, Corey will go back to his ship and report us. They'll send a crew out here with cutting torches. If Corey gets back to the ship, how can we stop him? We'll stop him all right. You just wait and see. Wow, now that we're on the ground, that machine looks enormous. It's an atomic driller, Happy. The camouflage covers the drill part, but it's built to cover the toughest kind of terrain and drill through solid rock. Yeah, then that's what happened to the water conduit. Drilling into the main would be simple for that machine. Yeah, it looks that way. Have your gun ready, Happy. Whoever's in there probably won't be too eager to answer questions. Hey, Commander, it's moving. They're making a getaway. Get back to the ship, Happy. Yes, sir. Commander, it's coming toward run, us. Run, Happy. They're trying to run us down. It's, it's hard to run in these bulky spacesuits. Maybe we can dodge the driller. Don't try it unless you have to. That driller's big, but it can turn like a cat. The, gr- the ground's so full of cracks and ditches. Commander, it's gaining on us. Don't look back. Run. Hey. Half on your feet. Quick. My foot's caught in the crevice. Give me a hand. 
Come for it, Commander. They can't get both of us. You've got to get away. No, give me your hand, Hap. No, you, sir. I'm caught. Commander, look out. The driller's right on top of us. You've got to leave me. We'll be back with Space Patrol in just a moment. Space Patroller Dick Tufeld, gang. I've got a secret for you. Wait till I close the door. Okay? Now, here's a secret Buzz Corey wants you to know about. The secret of how space patrollers get a rip-roaring start in the morning. Now, here's what they do. They eat a breakfast that supercharges them. A good breakfast with one of the three checkerboard super cereals. Rice checks, Wheat checks, and Instant Ralston. Checks. They're the super cereals with that modern bite-sized design. The cereals with a swell new taste you'll like right off the reel. And to warm up your motor, there's Instant Ralston, the hot super cereal. Has a heart-of-the-wheat flavor that you'll really warm up to. So now you know how space patrollers get that rip-roaring morning start. Get a flying start yourself every morning, gang. Sit down to a nourishing breakfast with a checkerboard super cereal and get supercharged. Rice checks, wheat checks, good hot Ralston, the super cereals. Flying low above the hot side of the planet Mercury, Buzz and Happy have sighted a gigantic atomic drilling machine. The driller is driven by Burdick and Grulf, who have bored a hole in the water conduit leading to Solaria, a city in the sun baked Mercury desert. Buzz and Happy don spacesuits to investigate a cleverly camouflaged drilling machine. Suddenly, the driller started up, rolling across the cracked and fissured earth on its six giant wheels. Happy caught his foot in a large crack in the ground. And now, as Buzz tries to pull Happy free, the enormous driller roars down upon them. It's no use, sir. It's still right after us. It's going to crash us. Fall flat. Dive into that crevice quickly. Yes, Happy, are you all right? I guess so, sir. I'm half buried in the dirt. Uh, don't move yet. Stay down in the crevice until the driller's out of sight. We don't want them coming back to finish the job. I sure thought we were goners when that big thing thundered over us. We are lucky to find the crevice deep enough. They're still going, I guess. Yeah. Fortunately, they didn't stop to wreck our ship. That means they're sure they crushed us under the wheels. The driller's completely out of sight now, sir. All right, into the ship, Happy. We won't take time to get out of these suits till after we blast off and start our search for that drilling machine. Well, here we are. Here's your spacesuit, Burdock. Get into it and let's get to the ship. Mm, I see you're all ready. Yeah, all but the face piece. You know, sometimes I get the impression you don't enjoy riding in a driller. Let the funny stuff. Let's get out of here. How do we know Corey didn't send a space phone message before he got out of his ship? You're right, Grove. But before we leave, I'm going to set a magnesium bomb and leave it in here. What for? I'll make sure that this drill is useless to anybody else. And it'll leave this cab in such a mess that the space patrol can't find any fingerprints. All right. All right, but let's get at it. There's something up ahead, sir. Looks like smoke. You're right, Happy. It's the drilling machine that's on fire. It's not moving. Hey, do you suppose whoever was in it got out? Well, let's hope so. Uh, wait a minute. By the color of the smoke, that must be magnesium. It must have been deliberately started to wreck the control mechanism. But where's the driver? Uh, take a look at that scorched area on the ground a few yards from the driller. 
A blast-off scar. Uh-huh. Our driller operator had a spaceship hidden here. Turn on the viewscope, Happy. Maybe you can pick up a trace of him. Now contact Space Control Solaria. Commander Corey aboard Terra 5 calling Space Control Solaria. Commander Corey calling Space Control Solaria. This is Space Control Solaria, Commander. Lieutenant Orris speaking. Lieutenant, relay this bulletin to all Mercury Space Patrol units. Yes, sir. A spaceship of unknown type just blasted off from the vicinity of the broken water conduit. Interrogate all spaceborne private craft. Ground all suspicious ships and hold the occupants. I'll relay that message, Commander. Can you give any sort of description of the ship? No, we merely saw the blast-off scar. Looked like it was from a small space cruiser. That water main break was deliberately sabotaged. An atomic driller did the job. Atomic driller? Yes. We found it abandoned near the break. Tell Colonel Henderson I want investigators sent out to examine it. They'll need firefighting equipment. Yes, sir. Make an immediate check of all known atomic drilling machines on Mercury. Where they are and who has them. Yes, Commander. How's the water situation in Solaria? It's even more serious than we thought, sir. We're setting up cargo ships to bring some in from other cities. Oh, uh, Commander, a Venus-bound passenger ship reported seeing a wrecked lamp ship south of Solaria. The pilot thought it might be Professor Mallison's ship. South of Solaria? How far south? Fifteen DU, sir. That's the hottest part of the planet. Even if the ship wasn't badly damaged by the crash, it looks bad for Mallison. The same passenger ship also picked up Mallison's automatic coat, sir. And another temperature report. 122 degrees below zero. Below zero? That seems impossible. Have you sent any units to investigate? Not yet, sir. Colonel Henderson... Uh, Yes, I know. You've got problems of your own, Lieutenant. Give me the location of that crashed ship. I'll investigate it myself. And 87 degrees, 16 minutes, 43 seconds west. But I... Suppose that's the ship you shot down? Shut up, Inverness. I got their frequencies, both of them. Got it, Lieutenant. One more thing, Commander. The passenger ship pilot isn't sure, but he thought he saw something moving near the crashed ship. It doesn't seem likely. No, it doesn't. But I'll get there as quickly as I can. Corey out. Corey alive? Yeah. It was somebody else we ran over with the driller. Cut it off. That is the first ship you shot down, and there's someone still alive. There couldn't be. That was four days ago. And even in the best space suit made, nobody could live four days in that heat. What are we going to do? We're going to make sure. Maybe we can get there before Corey does. And if not, we'll cut Corey's investigation short. Murdoch, maybe we didn't kill those men with the driller. Maybe it was Corey and somebody else, and they escaped somehow. Well, if he did, he wouldn't escape this time. You marked down those coordinates, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, they're right here. All right. I'll take the controls. You get on the view scope. We don't want to get close to another ship, especially Corey's. We're nearly to the location, sir. Drop her down a few thousand feet, Hap. Yes, sir. Hey, this part of Mercury looks even worse than where we were before. Rougher terrain. Yes, and it's even hotter. Close to 500 degrees. Now, listen. Get that down, Hap. Yes, sir. MLS 28. Mercury Lab Ship 28. That's Mallison's identification code. Temperature minus 122 degrees. Hey, it cut out. Minus 122 degrees. I got a fix in that signal, Happy. It's almost directly below us. Look. It's a cracked up ship, all right. A lab job, too. Get your spacesuit on, Happy. Yes, sir. Whatever we do, we've got to do it fast. Hey, Commander, down there by that cliff, it's a man in a spacesuit. That's incredible. He's waving to us. Stand by for repeller ray. That's a lab ship, all right. Even in the viewscope, you can see it's pretty badly smashed up. Yeah, but we're too late. Corey's ship is landing right near it. What do we do? He'll probably go in to find what's left of Mellison. When he does, we'll swoop down and bless the wreckage, and then shoot up Terrify. Better not get so low, Burdock. They may see us. There is not much they can do about it. 
Anyway, I'm keeping between them and the sun. Nobody's going to look up at the sun, especially here on Mercury. Wait a minute. They're running right past the ship. Where are they going? No, oh, maybe. Seeing something close to the cliff. Murdoch. It's a man. And he's alive. After four days in the blessed furnace down there. It's impossible. Keep for yourself. Uh, must be Mellis. We've got to make sure that none of them get out of here. Get your spacesuit down, Grove. We aren't going to land. Not unless we have to. But I'm going to make sure that all three of them are finished before we leave here. Check your suit's spacophone, Happy. That's working okay, sir. And so's the temperature control. Yeah, we'll need it. All right, open the outer hatch. Allison's acting pretty strange, sir. He just stands over there and motions to us instead of coming toward us. It's hardly a normal way to greet rescuers. Let's see if his spacesuit transmitter's working. Professor Mallison, this is Commander Corey. Can you read me? He's just waving more excited than ever. Professor, if you hear me, hold both hands over your head. He's doing it. Apparently he can hear us, but his transmitter's out. I thought I heard something in the earphones just for a second and another voice. Professor, is there some reason why you want us to come over there? If there is, hold your hands straight out at your sides. Yeah, that's what he wants us to do. We better do as he asks. How did he manage to survive in this heat? Commander, it's a cave. Yeah, I see. Commander, can you hear me now? Oh, yes, Professor. My spacephone wasn't working, so I couldn't answer you. Commander, you've got to look at this. It's a happy surprise to find you alive, Professor. That spacesuit must be remarkably resistant to heat. It isn't the suit that's responsible. Just look in here, where the beam from my atomic light is shining. It just looks like an ordinary cave. Further back. Look at the walls. You mean that shiny blue-black mineral? Commander, that's ice. Ice? Ice. In this part of Mercury? Right. Thousands of tons of it, perhaps millions. And that's how you manage to stay alive. It's cool in the cave. Yes, with 570 degrees outside. Inside, it's a constant 122 below zero. Then your automatic rocket transmitter was right. Commander, do you realize what this underground ice means to Mercury? To the people of Solaria in particular? You mentioned millions of tons. A conservative estimate. Think how easily it could be melted and piped to Solaria. Only a matter of a few miles in comparison with the present haul of more than a thousand. It certainly is a timely discovery. Dozens of conduits can be built from here to Solaria at a fraction of the cost of the one line that was broken. A spaceship? Yeah, it must be a space patrol craft. Let's get to our ship, Professor. Believe me, this news will be welcome in Solaria. Oh, well, what I don't understand is how all this ice could be underground in the hot part of Mercury. The rock above insulates it. This is not a new phenomenon by any means. Why, on the planet Earth, more than a thousand years ago, Indians in the Arizona desert used to get ice from a natural cavern such as this. Hey, wait a minute. That's not a space patrol ship. It's a private cruiser. You're right, sir. It's taxiing around on repeller ray. I've seen that ship before. Why, it's the one that shot my lab ship down. Are you sure? I'm positive. Hey, what's a crazy fool doing? He's backing the ship right toward the cave. He'd better get out of here or he'll run over us. He's got something worse than that in mind. He's seen us and doesn't want us to get out. Well, maybe he's just backing up to get room to blast off between here and the opposite wall of the canyon. Up in your life. Quickly, get out of the cave. He's going to put his stern in here and turn on his rocket blast. It's lucky we saw him in time to get out of the cave. Now get behind this rock. Maybe he won't see us from the ship. You're right, Commander. He's pushing the tail of his ship back in the cave with blasts from his forward rocket. He really intends to see that we don't get away from here. But keep close to the rock. I think we'll be safe here. Hey. He's keeping his forward rockets on to hold the ship in the cave. Something tells me he's going to regret this. 
The ship's wrecked. The shot right across the canyon into the opposite wall. His hand must have slipped off the controls. No, Happy. The heat from his rocket exhaust turned the ice into steam and it popped the ship out of the cave like a cork. We'd better get over there, Commander. They may be badly hurt. If they haven't got spacesuits on, they haven't a chance. Commander, I see somebody getting out. Yeah, there are two of them. And they do have spacesuits on. Let's get them. By their attitude, I don't think we'll have any trouble. No, sir. You know, uh, during the last few minutes, sir, I, I really realized what a wonderful thing water is. That's so? Yes, sir. In the form of ice, it saved Professor Mallison's life. And when those two fellows turned it into steam, it uh, simply cooked their goose. <laughs> An exciting preview of next week's new Space Patrol adventure after this important question. Have you sent for your Space Patrol spaceophone yet? You better hurry! Yes, sir, this sensational offer is soon going to end. And you don't want to be left without one of these thrilling new spaceophone sets, do you? No, siree. So, hurry! More fun. You can talk back and forth on the spaceophone to someone as straight 50 feet away. Just like talking on the telephone. Complete with two spaceophones, 50 feet of communication cord, and secret briefing sheet. Now remember, these are official spaceophones, made especially for you on Earth. Real beauties, too. Gleaming blue and yellow plastic. Look exactly like the spaceophones Buzz Corey and the gang use. So don't wait a single day. Hurry! Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yes, sir, you have to hurry, because this offer soon comes to an end. To get the complete Space Patrol spaceophone set, do this. Buy a box of Instant Ralston. Then, with your name and address, send 25 cents in coin and an Instant Ralston box top to Space Patrol, Box 686. St. Louis, Missouri. This offer good only in continental U.S. and may be withdrawn at any time. That's Space Patrol, Box 686. St. Louis, Missouri. And now for a preview of next week's exciting Space Patrol story. Buzz and Happy have just entered a spaceship in Neptune City spaceport in search of a traitor against the United Planets. They pause in the open hatch a moment. He may be up forward, tampering with the controls. Wrong guess, gentlemen. Uh, Commander, look out! Here we are, cadet. I've got a ray gun. Yeah, well, I've got a... I warned you. Cardo, put down that gun. Don't try to get to your feet, Commander. What are you doing in this ship? Preparing it for its last voyage. There's an explosive hidden aboard. Time to go off two hours after blastoff. And you, my friend, (laughs) will be aboard. Be sure to be with us next Saturday for the exciting story, The Queen of Space. Boys and girls, this is your commander. Do you know how life-giving oxygen is carried to the cells of the body? By the bloodstream. So when a person loses a great deal of blood in an accident or in sickness, there's not enough blood left to do that job. Result? The person dies. So will you help me save lives by joining the Space Patrol Blood Boosters? It's fun, it's patriotic. So join the Space Patrol Blood Boosters today. Space Patrol, an original Mike Moser production starring Ed Kemmer as Commander Corey and Lynn Osborne as Cadet Happy was written by Lou Houston and directed by Larry Robertson. Other players were Ken Mayer and Norman Jolly. Dick Tufel speaking. Now, don't forget to tune in next Saturday and every Saturday when Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston again present the new exciting Space Patrol. And be sure to see another exciting Space Patrol story on your local ABC television station. Consult your local paper for time and channel. 
Space Patrol comes to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network. Pick up a copy of Conflict with Shadows today from your favorite online bookstore. Ah, uh, don't touch that dial. Listen to... This Blondie story is called Storm in a Teacup. You know, in every town, there is one policeman who enjoys arresting people more than is absolutely necessary. The Bumstead's hometown would be an exception if it weren't for a recent addition to the force named Officer Bill Joyce. Business had been bad with him, and he's itching for action when he notices Blondie and Harriet Woodley standing on the corner. Blondie has her handbag open and is hunting through it for a, uh, well, let, let's... Well, Harriet, dear, I clipped the ad for the sale out of the paper, and I put it in my handbag here somewhere. It's right there. Oh, oh, was that it that blew away? No, that was just a cleansing picture. Oh. Hey, lady! Uh, who was that? Was that someone yelling at us? Oh, it's that policeman, but I don't know which one of us he means. We're both ladies. Aren't we? Well, most of the time. Hey! Oh, oh, Harriet, that's that policeman who's been causing so much trouble. Oh. The other day he tried to arrest little Alvin Fuddle for taking a bread knife to be sharpened. Oh. Carrying concealed weapons. Oh, <laughs> here he comes. Hey, lady, what's the idea of littering up the street? To whom are you talking to? Not you. You! Will you please get your finger out of my face? If you're not going to point your finger at people, you ought to wash it first. <laughs> they should answer my question. What's the idea of littering up the street? What in the world are you talking about, officer? That cleansing tissue you threw into the street. Oh, <laughs> oh that. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> well, I didn't throw it in the street. It just blew out of my handbag. That's right, just like this. I wasn't talking to you. Well, you are now. And stop poking your finger at me or I'll bite it off. Hey, look out. Well, keep your distance. Oh, come on, Harriet. Let's go. Not so fast, lady. I've seen the whole thing. Well, you've seen it wrong. Oh, maybe there's something wrong with my eyes. Yes, your hat ought to be pulled down over them. Okay. <laughs> now, Harriet. Well, why did he make me mad? Yes, I know. Well, I'd just like to stamp my heels on the toes of his great big flat feet. Hey, now listen. Oh, no, that wouldn't do us any good, Harriet. Officer, there's no point in carrying this any further. I didn't throw that into the street, and no one's going to make me say I did. Well, you could have picked it up. It blew away. You could have run after it. If you were a gentleman, you would have run after it for me. Oh, now I'm not a gentleman. Well, I'm glad to hear you admit it. <laughs> Blondie, now you're doing it. Well, I'm getting there, too. Lady, maybe you don't know there's a city ordinance against littering up the street. You can go to jail for it. Oh, well, well, look, look over there. There's an old newspaper sailing along. It's 20 times larger than my cleansing tissue. Why don't you hunt down the person it blew away from? Maybe you could have him sent up for life. Oh, being funny, huh? Well, now you've had your fun hectic. So you can just cut back where you came from and spend the rest of the day being disagreeable to other people. Oh, that settles it. I'm going to have to make an example of you. You can't throw stuff in the street around him and get away with it. Maybe you don't realize it, but you're littering up the streets yourself. Oh, yeah? How? Just by standing in it. So, <laughs> Lady, you're under arrest. Oh, excuse me a minute, folks. Yeah, okay, Mr. Dillard. J.C. Dillard's Construction Company. J.C. Dillard speaking. Hello, Mr. Dillard. It's Blondie. Oh, hello, Blondie. 
You want to talk to Dagwood or an intelligent man? Uh-huh. <laughs> Just my little joke, Rocky. I feel smart as a whip, eh? Yeah, whips haven't been used for 30 years. Yeah, well, let me talk to Blondie. <laughs> She's my wife. Well, it's my phone. Yeah, but Blondie's paying for the call. But it's on company time. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, here he is, Blondie. Hello, Blondie. Hello, Jasper. Hey, uh, where are you? I'm in jail. Oh, that's good. Are you having a nice day? You where? Jaguar, <laughs> I've been arrested. Arrested? By that sour-looking policeman with the red face. Now listen here, Miss Bondi. You keep up my telephone call, I'll get good to you. Hey, hello, hello, Blondie. Well, you have to be a little more respectful. Oh, it's Blondie. Hello, who was that? That was the sour-looking policeman with the red face. Oh, that's enough. That phone's for official business only. Bumstead, what's going on? Oh, just a second, please, Mr. Dennis. Hello. Hello, Blondie. Are you still there, huh? Oh, you, I'll be right down, honey. Goodbye, dear. Yeah, goodbye. Oh, my gosh, Mr. Ditters. Blondie's in jail. What's she in for? Cat arresting? Yeah. No, no, she didn't say, but I, I don't think it could be that. Bob, are you serious? Yeah, Blondie's in jail. Well, what are we standing around here for? Let's go down to the police station and get a parole. Yeah. I know. We'll slip her a file in a cake and swing her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> went on to the jail at Ormondy, uh, and that Officer Joyce brought me here to the station and put me in this room. Imagine, arresting me for littering up the street. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm not going to stand for it. Neither am I. Let me ask. I'll go in there and pin his ears back with his own bag. I, he's not going to get away with it. Jaguar, calm down. I won't calm down. Calm down, dear. Okay, Blondie. Now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me have it. You've got to be tactful with the police. Yeah. Particularly nowadays. Fewer people are driving, there aren't as many accidents. Oh, yeah. The cop doesn't have as many swell opportunities to blow his stop off. Uh-huh. Poor guy is probably just frustrated. Not this one. I'm always hearing from one of the girls at the women's club about something he's done. He's just looking for trouble. Well, Dagwood and I will go in and have a chat with Officer Joyce. Yeah. You just relax and take it easy and read it. Well, there's nothing in here to read except the police gazette. Well, that's not supposed to be read. You just look at the pictures. <laughs> when we come back, remind me to tear off the cover. My office needs a pinup girl. <laughs> oh, JC, I think that's uh, Officer George right over there. Oh, nice, happy-looking fellow. Yeah. Looks like a talent scout for a cemetery. <laughs> How about this? Let me do the talk. This requires someone with diplomacy. Yeah, well, in that case, I'll talk to him. Bum's head. You want to ball this thing up? Well, if someone's going to do it, it might as well be me, J.C. Just keep quiet and watch me. Oh, uh, Officer Joyce? Yeah? <clears throat> I want to talk to you about this business of arresting Mrs. Bumps. I'm sure you didn't mean Oh, to yes, I did. I seen her do it with my own eyes. Well, you wouldn't be likely to see her do it with someone else's eyes. Bumps, <laughs> keep out of this. Yeah. Oh. Officer, weren't you unnecessarily severe in the rest No, I wasn't. Well, you see, it was just an accident. It wasn't no accident. She's done it deliberately. Done it deliberately. Who smuggled you out of kindergarten? <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> what was that? Well, uh, oh, I, I just wanted to point out... There's a law against it, see? Litter in the street. Yes, but you see... I don't want to discuss it no more. You might at least let me finish one sentence. Mr. 
it is. Now, don't stop at me or you'll get a sentence that'll take 30 days to finish. Oh, I will, eh? Yeah, now, Mr. Diddish, uh, please calm down. Huh? I am calm. <laughs> please, uh, officer, if you'll let me explain... And I don't want none of your lips either. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Here, officer. Mrs. Pump. Now, Mrs. don't try to talk me out of it, Buster. Who are you calling Buster? I'm J.C. Diddish. Of the J.C. Dillard Construction Company. Prices to fit all budgets. Yes, prices to fit all budgets. Quiet! Quiet! Oh, no. Excuse me. Now, look, I happen to have a few influential friends. Oh, threatening me, eh? I got a good notion to arrest you, too. Well, I'd like to see you do it. No, 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 Mr. Diddy. Don't tease him. He's the sensitive type. Look at him. Well, I'm not going to be browbeaten by this brainless nincompoop. That's enough. Personally, I think the space between your ears is stuffed with fuzz. <laughs> okay. You're under arrest. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, wait a minute. Don't arrest Mr. Diddy. He didn't really mean it. I did, too. Yeah, now, I'll apologize for Oh, him. no, you won't. But, Mr. Diddy, this is getting blondie. This, well, this isn't getting blondie out of heart. I mean, out of jail. <laughs> oh, he can't arrest me. Oh, what's the charge? Threatening an officer of the law? Never heard of it. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, you're the law, and you're certainly ignorant. <laughs> that did it. A fine policeman. Why, you're a disgrace, you big, flat, fat feet. <laughs> okay, Buster. You're going into that room, too. Now, let go of me. You can't do this to me. Help! 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 Who said call a cop? Well, isn't one of them enough trouble? Help! Help! Please! Okay, get in there. Wait, do you mind if I go in there, too? No, go ahead. Hey, don't tell me! Saw the way I came in. <laughs> Mr. Gibbs used a little too much diplomacy. He uh, tried to spread it on with a baseball bat. Yes, Blondie, I too am in the cat uh, clique. Yeah. What? I can't understand how it happened. <laughs> I, I just can't understand it how how it happened. I didn't get arrested. Well, that puzzles me too, dear. Huh? You know, Mr. Gibbs, I wouldn't mind being arrested for parking overtime or something like that, but being arrested because a little piece of paper blew out of my handbag onto the street, and particularly when I was on my way to a good sale, well, there's going to be trouble, that's all. I'm just waiting until we come up in front of Mayor Snipe. I'm going to blow up right in his face. Hello, everybody. Oh, oh. Harriet. Oh, hello, Hatch. Oh, Blondie, the sale was awful. Everything was gone by the time I got there. Oh, that makes me so mad. Me too. Well, I just dropped in to chat and find out if there's anything I could get you. I thought maybe you could use a hacksaw, a cold chisel, and a crowbar. Yeah. I could sneak everything to you in a gold bag. Oh, no, Harriet, that's very sweet of you, but I do have sort of an idea. Let me whisper it to you. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, but what is it, Blondie? I'm not going to tell you, may you just laugh at me. No. Oh, go ahead. We need a good laugh. Never mind. Now, here, Harriet, listen. Oh, oh. Will you, um, will you do it? You know, I got an idea. Uh, why don't we just walk out? Oh, well, okay. No, 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 no. I'll uh, just open the door and we'll walk right out. Yeah, and do what? Yeah, oh, hello. <laughs> it, well, uh, we'll walk right out and demand a little justice. Oh, yeah? I guess not. <laughs> well, just come right out, Mrs. Bumstead and Mr. Diddish. I'm going to book you now. Oh, I hear the booking? Now, just you wait until we get in front of Mayor Snipes. Yeah, you're going to be sorry you bothered to live so long. We happen to know him very well, yes. I happen to know him very well myself. Mayor Snipes won't dare let you off. Oh, is that so? Yes, that's so. I'm Mrs. Snipes' favorite nephew. 
and around this town, what she says goes. <laughs> Well, it's about an hour later, and Dagwood has been scurrying around town trying to find someone who could help him get Blondie and Mr. Dithers out of jail. He is just returning to the city hall when a man who has been slouching against the side of the building calls to him. Hey, hey, Charles. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. Here, step into this doorway a second, will you? Yeah, what, 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 come here. Come here a minute. Here. Here, have a toothpaste. Oh, yeah. oh, thank you very much. Uh, what, 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 what is it? What, what is it you want? Huh? Could, uh, could I interest you in a good lawyer? What's the matter with him? Is he a hot lawyer? No, no, Matt. This is on the level. Well, you're making it sound nice and crooked. I'll explain it to you. Oh, yeah. Now you've seen guys carrying signs that say pants to match your coat. Yeah. Well, I got lawyers to match your case. Yeah. Uh-huh. Would you like to look over their pictures and diplomas? Well, I'm, I'm in sort of a hurry right oh, now. Oh, you got time. Now, take this lawyer here, see? Where? The senator type. It, oh, yeah. Lovely head of hair. Looks like Leopold Stokowski. And sounds like Abel Heater. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrific combination. He, he certainly looks honest. Yeah, yeah. And how he fools him. He puts on a great show for the jury, and there's no extra charge if he wears a string tie. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I don't think... Oh, you got time. Huh? Now, now, this lawyer here, the young, sweet, and innocent type. Oh, yeah, this picture don't show it. But on a clear day, you can practically see a halo floating over his head. <laughs> Why, he can have a jury treading water in their own tears. Yeah. Well, I'll get in touch with you when I need a good cry. I've got to go in there now. Oh, you got time, huh? Now, this lawyer here is the handsome type. Which one? This one. Oh, yeah. Big brown eyes. Like a cocker spaniel. A sensation with women, George. Oh, why, they just stare at him and quiver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but I... He's got stuff on a murder trial. Could you use him, chum? No, I haven't murdered anyone lately. But well, it's a bad habit to get into. <laughs> well, well, look, chum. Remember, if you need a lawyer, you better get one before they raise you. I'm in this doorway from 10 to 1 and 3 to 5 on weekdays. Yeah. Sundays and holidays by special appointment. Okay, okay. Say, hey, uh, by the way, what's so uh, secret about this? Why are we whispering? Well, I don't know why you whispered, Jim, but I got laryngitis. <laughs> <laughs> Because I hurt the feelings of that 
jump cluck relative of yours. Oh, Charge is threatening an officer. We've got to protect our police. Oh, excuse me. I was under the delusion they were supposed to be protecting us. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Mary Snipes, uh, for some strange reason, I haven't been arrested yet. Well, occasionally there are slip-ups. Yeah. <laughs> you both should be glad to find out that Officer Joyce is right on the job. Yes, sir, that's the kind of policeman we want. There's very little that escapes him. Except prisoners. <laughs> yeah, he's probably fine for arresting kids for bicycling on the sidewalk. But if gangsters were robbing the First National Bank, he'd uh, probably watch their car for them. Now, Mr. Bumstead, you're being unfair to Officer Joy. Oh, I'll bet his mother raised him on a dare. Uh, our policemen aren't supposed to snoop around looking for trouble, are they, Mayor Snipes? Officer Joyce does not snoop around, I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, now, just a minute. Hey, look out! Oh. Officer Joyce does not snoop around, I'm sure. Yeah, he shouldn't lean on the door while he's piecing the keyhole. <laughs> he says he has a credit to our police force. No, I ain't forgetting this. That's all I gotta say. I ain't forgetting this. Well, I ain't neither, Officer Joyce. It's a memory I'll keep forever green, though. Now then, what were you saying there, Snipes? If anything. Uh, Mrs. Bumstead and Mr. Tithers, this little incident was unfortunate, but in view of the situation and inasmuch as I must do my duty as mayor of this fair city, <laughs> a duty I gave my solemn promise to the voters to fulfill to the best of my ability, and see as how there is at this Time. Uh, Mayor, uh, we haven't time to wait for you to finish that sentence. Uh, we demand that you release us immediately and ask Officer Joyce to apologize. And it's got to be a pretty flowery apology. Yeah, he's got to get down on his knees and look sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm inclined to take a sympathetic view of this whole affair. When you come up before me, I, uh, I'll i give you both a suspended sentence. Fine. A fine? How much? From uh, Oh, now, wait a minute, now, wait a minute, both of you. In that case, we'd have to plead guilty, wouldn't we? Oh, just for Mallory, just for Mallory. Well, it wouldn't look nice in the case. No, sir, Mr. Mayor, I'm not guilty, and I won't plead guilty. You can either throw out the charge or throw me in jail. I'm afraid it'll have to be jail. Yeah. You'll come up before me in my office in about ten minutes. Oh, Blondie, you plead guilty. Think of our children. I sure, Blondie. Go on, take the rap. Yeah. Well, we'll get your we'll get your cake with a pile in it. No. My cake is made up. I mean, my mind is made up. Oh, Jag, would stop interrupting. Whether anyone likes it or not, I'm going to force Mayor Snipes to do the right thing. I think I know how to do it. Mrs. Bumstead, you are charged with violating section of the city ordinance, as it is unlawful to, in other words, littering the streets. Guilty or not guilty? Go ahead and plead guilty. Yeah, go ahead, Blondie, please. Yes, go ahead, Blondie. Not guilty. No, I see or do it with my own eyes. Now, Sonny, uh, that is uh, off the joys. Don't interrupt, please. She's done it deliberately. General Blondie, I'm here. Oh, good heavens. Everything's all fixed, Blondie. If you please. Uh, Mayor Snipes, Mrs. Woodley was with me when I was arrested by that, uh, that thing with the bed. Hey. Uh, Very well, Mrs. Woodley, you can tell your story. Well, Blondie and I were going to the sale at Ormandy's. They usually have a swell sale, and I wanted to buy some slips and stockings. I want to see if I could get a cute little dress or something to wear while I'm working in my victory garden. You know, maybe sort of overalls with pink and blue ruffles on the suspenders. Not the overalls with the rivets on the pockets, of course, because they're so... Mrs. Woodley, please get to the point. Oh, oh, what was I talking about? Oh, my victory 
died here. Well, I uh, know Harriet about my being arrested. Remember, dear? Oh, yes, I lied. The silly one. You know, Herbert's always telling me I'm such a nitwit, aren't husband? Oh, oh, Blondie's not guilty, Your Honor. It was an accident. She's done a deliberate mess, and if you don't fire her, I'll speak to Aunt Katie about this. Now, Officer Joyce, please, don't get upset. She'll give you what for. Oh, I know it. But please, who's running this city, you or your wife? Gee, a taxpayer certainly gets a lot of laughs. It is. No more remarks, or I'll have to try you for contempt of court. You can read my mind, you're trying me now. Mary Snipes, if you don't let Blondie go, I'll fix it up for the newspapers to start a relief Mrs. Bumstead campaign. Uh, they'll make a big thing out of it, too. Why should they do a thing like that? They may think it would sell more papers. Uh, perhaps I should reconsider it. And Katie will be awful mad. I guess perhaps I shouldn't. No, Mrs. Bumstead, I, I'm afraid I'll have to pet the Oh, group. now, now, just a minute, Mayor Snipes. Huh? Everything's ready, Harriet. They're waiting outside now, Blondie. Thank you. Well, Mayor Snipes, I didn't want to force you, but I guess I'll have to. Would you mind looking out the window into the street? Well, uh, let's see. What What are all those women doing there? I look, there's Cora. She's blinding practically everyone in the women's club, and they're all carrying handkerchiefs in their hands. Hey, what is this? Yes, Mrs. Bumstead. Well, it seems that almost all of them have had some sort of an unpleasant experience with Officer Joyce. None of them got very far when they tried to bring it to your attention. But now they figured if they could all get together, they'd get some action. If you put me in jail on this charge, they're going to let the wind blow those cleansing tissues all over the street, and you'll have to arrest all of them. Oh, no. 34 of them. That means 34 women in jail and 34 angry husbands. That's 68 votes. Yeah. And that's what uh, really hurts. Uh, Mayor Snipes, aren't you feeling well, or is your complexion naturally green? Uh, 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 on second thought, I decided to dismiss these charges. You you mean you're letting them go free? Now, Bunny Clark, I mean Sonny Buck. It isn't uh, illegal for me to laugh, is it? I guess not. <laughs> yeah, and mind if I join in? <laughs> uh, and Officer Joyce, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'll have to give you a new beat. I'll let you patrol the, uh, the Wildwood Lane section now. But that's practically out in the wilderness. <laughs> oh, Officer Joyce, you look cute coming off your beach with an Indian arrow sticking in your hat. <laughs> a fine way to treat your wife's favorite nephew. I won't stand for it. I'm turning in my uniform right now and resigning. Your resignation is accepted. Accepted? Okay. Wait till Aunt Katie hears about this. They ruined my home life for a while. But I guess in the long run, it'll be a blessing. Is already eating out of my ration book. <laughs> and now, Mrs. B, would you mind buzzing the word around that I might be persuaded to consider uh, to run for a seventh term? Oh, <laughs> not at all, Mayor Snipes. We'll be right behind you. <laughs> With both feet. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast.